welcome to this October 3rd edition of the Strang Report. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, it'll be available a long time on the internet. That's a good thing about digital. In the not so recent past, uh, we had radio programs or then uh, talk shows, and it's on the air and it's off. In fact, it was hard in the 50s and 60s, as I recall growing up, that to even record something. Well, here we are, it's online forever. I'm Stephen Strang, and I've never had an introduction like that to the Strang Report, but it's the podcast where we deal with life in the Holy Spirit, and that's what I'm going to talk about today, including some difficult things that are happening in the church that I think that you need to be uh, informed about. So stay tuned, encourage other people to uh, watch this, tell them to tune in live. In fact, I'd like to find out where people are watching live. Uh, in fact, it was a week ago, yesterday, I think, or I, uh, let's see, no, it wasn't. It would have been the Thursday before. I was on vacation. My wife and I visited Greece and the Greek Isles, and we were on a ship somewhere in the Aegean Sea, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and I was doing something on my cell phone on the balcony outside our little stateroom, and it popped up that the Strang Report was coming up. Well, it was 4 o'clock back home, and I had pre-recorded some podcast. So there I am in the dark in the Aegean Sea watching myself on a pre-recorded program that was going out live around the world. And uh, I mentioned that in my last string report. It was kind of cool. And uh, I want you to tell me where you're from. And then as we have time at the end of the podcast, maybe we can do some questions and answers. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe if you haven't. If you subscribe, then you are notified when a live show uh, podcast is coming up, which is every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And we want your comments. I want to see your comments, what you like, not like. And then, of course, you can share it. You know, there's a certain amount of cancel culture that goes on. We have actually been censored by big tech on some issues where they didn't agree. And it had to do with things like healing, where I... Some of it, I don't even really understand these community standards. So we need to go around them by going straight to you. And as you share links and as we send it out by email and different things, we're not as vulnerable to big tech and to censorship. You know, there are people who don't want the message of the gospel going out. They actually consider that people who believe in the Bible are the only ones holding them back from whatever they consider fun, whether it's gambling or drug use or uh, pornography or the gay lifestyle or whatever. You know, these things that are against the Word of God, if people believe the Word of God and believe that standards should be uh, reflected in society based on our deeply held values, then that holds people back. And th these have been eroding the last couple of generations, I mean, going all the way back to Prohibition and the Depression era, you know, that was the big issue in the Christian community in the teens leading up to the uh, passage of Prohibition. That was the issue. That would have been as big as the gay lifestyle and abortion rolled into one, which are kind of the two big issues that seem to be a demarcation between those who stand for stri strict Bible values. In fact, today I'm going to talk about 
how there's a certain amount of censorship even within the Christian community. There are those who believe that the work of the Holy Spirit ended with the life of the last apostle. Now, there's not a scripture, and you have to really use your imagination to take a phrase here and there to even think that. But there are those, they call themselves sensationists. In other words, there was a, there was a dispensation when um, the gospel was presented, the Holy Spirit was outpoured, and the church was formed. And during that period, there were miracles, there were tongues, there was prophecy, there were all the things we read about in the New Testament. And that when the last apostle died, that ended. In fact, this gives me an opportunity to mention the trip we were on. My wife and I had never been to Greece or to Turkey, and we had wanted to, you know, that's where the Apostle Paul was. We actually uh, arranged for a trip. It would have been in uh, the spring of 2020. Well, what happened in 2020? COVID. And, of course, that trip never happened, so we are finally kind of getting around to it. It was a cruise. We went to five different Greek isles, one a day. But we also went to what the Bible calls Thessalonica. I found out the Greeks call it Thessaloniki. It is the second biggest city in, um, in Greece. It's a huge metropolitan area. But that is where Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians. We also had the opportunity to go to Ephesus, which is in Turkey. Ephesus was one of the seven churches. Um, Paul, of course, was there two times, one time a fairly short trip, another time for a couple of years. He spoke in the big arena. I forget what they call it. It seats 25,000 people. Archaeologists have unearthed it just in the last 50 or 75 years. Uh, there's an awful lot of archaeology that is making uh, people be able to see what Ephesus was like. It was a great city. It was where the temple of uh, Artemis was. And uh, this is where uh, he was interrupting the, the uh, silversmith who was selling souvenirs to people who came to the temple of Artemis. And that's what got him into trouble in Ephesus. And uh, we found it very interesting. In fact, to Joy, Joy, my wife and I, going to Ephesus was the number was the highlight of the entire trip. And I'm not here really to talk about my trip, although there's nothing wrong on this live podcast to kind of bring you up to date because we also went to Athens, of course, where Paul was at the Parthenon, uh, the, the Acropolis. And then we went to Corinth, which is maybe an hour's drive away, not that far, and uh, saw where the Jewish community was, there's a church named St. Paul's where he undoubtedly ministered right there where the uh, Jewish community was. And uh, as you know, First uh, and Second Corinthians are great books of the Bible. They're some of my favorites. You know, Paul talked, uh, in fact, they had a plaque there where they had put part of First. Corinthians chapter 13, one of the most famous passages in the Bible, the love chapter. And it says, uh, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And those who believe in that cite that scripture. But you know, it also says, if there shall be knowledge, it'll pass away. And these same people go on knowledge. You know, it's, it's kind of a religious, 
knowledge. They talk about defending the Bible and believing the Bible, and they're probably very sincere people. I'll give them that. But they're sincerely wrong. And this is not new. It's a doctrine that's been around a long time. I think it's very, very dangerous doctrine. Some of the people are very, very adamant about it. Other people, this is just how they see life. Some of them are very, very nasty, and they have made a movie. And I'm going to be uh, doing several podcasts on the movie. In fact, if anyone who's watching has seen it, it's only been out a couple of days. And I'm going to really do a deep dive. I've watched the trailer. I've talked to some people about it. And basically, they just say, all this stuff's a bunch of nonsense. And they show little clips of Pentecostals doing uh, Pentecostal-style worship, which they think is just undignified, or little clips taken out of context. Um, I personally believe it's like spitting in the wind. You know, the Holy Spirit is moving around the world. There are those who say that there are somewhere between 400 million and 600 million people alive today who have received this precious gift called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen this my whole life. When people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power, they get enthusiastic. They believe God. They believe God for miracles, for healing. They get all excited. Now, are there abuses and excesses? Of course. But you can say that about every single movement in uh, human life. I don't care who it is. Every segment of the church has it. And, of course, in, uh, outside the church, it exists. And none of us can judge an entire community by a few uh, extremists. I don't care if you're talking about Jewish extremists or Muslims or, or even secular extremists. It's just not fair to blackball an entire movement based on those few examples. That's the point I'm making. This isn't to say that we shouldn't call it out. In fact, you know, in my own gentle way today, I'm calling these people out because there's nothing in Scripture that says all these things are going to happen, and on the day the last apostle dies, they're going to end. Now, we believe that the last apostle who died was John, John the Beloved, not John to be confused with John the Baptist. He wrote the book of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also the book of Revelation. And he wrote them from Ephesus. And this is something I didn't really know uh, because I think of him as being on the Isle of Patmos, which is one of the Greek isles. Our cruise did not take us to Patmos. We would have very much liked to see Patmos, but I don't think it's really uh, as commercialized for cruise ships and things. So they, for some reason, they don't take people there. You can take a tour there. I've talked to people who've done this. He was exiled on the Isle of uh, Patmos, but he lived for a, a, a number of years in Ephesus. It was a major city in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey, and it was became very, very dangerous, of course, to live in Jerusalem. Uh, there's all kinds of, uh, there's a church of for St. John there, but also Mary, because, you know, some of this is tradition, some of it's historical fact that Mary moved to Ephesus and actually died in Ephesus, and we actually went to the place they call Mary's house. It was, again, archaeology. They excavated. They found it. There's a spring there. 
Roman, it's Roman Catholic, even though that part of the world is mostly Greek Orthodox. Of course, Turkey is a Muslim nation. There's a little tiny bit of religious freedom, but not much. But they do allow the tourists to come. Even the Pope went there a couple of years ago. They were telling us about it. And Mary spent the rest of her life there. And they say that John wrote several, several of his books. Well, we believe he was probably the last apostle to die. So that must mean that the work of the Holy Spirit ceased. Well, it didn't cease. What it did was, over a period of years, the church became corrupt. It actually absorbed some of the pagan uh, rituals. That's my opinion. There are scholars who could say it better than I did, but even at Mary's house, they had what they called holy water. Uh, there's nothing really about holy water in the New Testament, but holy water, there was, there was an aspect of paganism with holy water as well. It was not explained to us real well, but in my opinion, that's how they um, adapted. You know, there's parts of the world where uh, they venerate the Virgin Mary, but the uh, Spaniards, when they came to the New World as Catholics, and to their credit, evangelized the Native people, they would hook on to some well-known female goddess and kind of turn it into worship of the Virgin Mary. I'm not trying to make a big point of it. I'm just trying to explain uh, my point of view. If you have an opinion or if you want to comment, I encourage you to do that. In fact, uh, a couple of times I've asked people where they're from, and somebody was uh, calling in or, or watching from Sri Lanka and uh, some other far-flung places, and so that was a lot of fun to find out. And also, if you have any questions or if you happen to be one of the very first people to see this movie, I would be interested in your comments. So where are you watching from? And share your comments. I'm interested in finding out. I will be doing a deep dive, as I said, maybe even showing some clips uh, from this documentary. It's called Sensationist. That's it, just Sensationist. And... Um, they make fun of Pentecostals and Charismatics. They say, they, they claim to believe the Bible, but they don't. They don't believe the Bible. Now, let me make a comment because in a way, they are going to help me promote my book because my book is really an answer to this. This book is a primer. I could have called it Spirit-Led Living 101 because it talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I go into all the different gifts. I tell stories from men and women of God, some of them still alive, uh, some of them I knew, some of them I didn't know. Um, and, there, and a lot of them are pretty spectacular uh, examples. And I, it's very carefully documented with footnotes. And then I talk about deliverance. You know, there's a lot of demonic activity. In fact, I believe that there's demonic activity that would blind people's eyes to the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible does talk about calling uh, good things bad and bad things good, or evil and uh, righteousness. Righteous things evil and, ev and evil is okay. And we're seeing that in our culture, where things that the Bible calls sin, people are celebrating, and things that where, where the Bible says is good, they're, they're even calling hate. Well, you know, within the Christian church, I'm talking about mainly within the Protestant church, the, the Catholics and the, and the Greek Orthodox, 
are kind of left out of this, but there's a segment of Protestantism that early in the, in the 20th century, when the Holy Spirit was outported at Azusa Street, um, they came against it. They came against it very, very strongly. Well, Pam from uh, Little Ri River Academy in Texas, hello. Thanks for <laughs> uh, sending us your comment. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, and here's Andrea Bolden Gagliano. Don't I know you, Andrea, from Indy Atlantic? Um, it's nice to uh, hear from you again. But anyway, letting me get back to my thought. There was actually a prominent leader named R.A. Torrey, very well respected, wrote a lot of books. He actually called the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues the last vomit of hell. I couldn't, when I learned that, and it's, uh, it's not widely known, but it's also not a secret that that happened. I mean, he did it very publicly. I thought, if anything is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that must be it. I would think that people would be careful just to be sure that they did not blaspheme the Holy Spirit because the Bible clearly says that that is the one thing that will not be forgiven. And I don't want to judge, but I just think people should be careful. They should just be careful. In the same way you should be careful with things that could be heresy. There, we need to walk in wisdom. We need to walk carefully. We not need to walk humbly. And I want what I say to be humble. I happen to know a couple of the people that are in the movie, or at least I know of them. I won't say that they're bad people. I just believe that they're deceived. I believe that the devil wants to deceive people to think that what is the Holy Spirit um, is maybe something that they should stay away from. And listen, in the Christian books selling industry, which I've been in, you know, most of my adult life, there were an awful lot of people in the CBA who are very wary of the Holy Spirit and of Pentecostals. In fact, there was a certain amount of cancel culture back then. There are a lot of these good-hearted Protestant shopkeepers that wouldn't even carry a book by someone like Kenneth Hagin or Oral Roberts or Kenneth Copeland. They just wouldn't. And we had those of us who published those kind of materials or those ministries had to just go around the gatekeepers of the day. And this was long before the internet and what we're familiar with now. So in a way, I've been dealing with, I don't remember those people in the CBA as necessarily being nasty. The, 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 the uh, movie, and you can judge for yourself when you watch it, um, it sounded pretty nasty to me. And I'll say more about this. I've already lined up a couple of interviews. I did talk to one leader that is um, targeted in this video, and he, he told me by text just a few minutes before we went on the air that the Lord specifically told him decades ago not to defend himself against attackers. I had asked to come on my podcast and to answer it. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown of Ask Dr. Brown is, he's delighted. He's all, he debates these people in other settings at conferences and so forth. And apparently a bunch of them got together and put together this documentary, partly because Greg Locke's uh, Out in Jesus' Name was so successful. Uh, I mean, time will tell, and maybe we'll do a little investigating to find out if that's true. I may bring some of these people on my podcast and debate with them. We'll see how that goes. 
But I'd be interested to know what you think, if you have any questions. I appreciate the few people who did comments already, and we'll be following up on it. I want to, um, Andrea says, we need more connection to the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely right, Andrea, and I hope you've read my book, since you know me personally. But that is the point of the book. We need to connect. It's not a theological treatise. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I've never been. I'm a Christian journalist and writer who wanted to, to encourage people to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in a day when people almost seem uh, confused and depressed and like we're losing at every turn. No, we're not. The devil is coming on like gangbusters, and I think, and this is true. I mean, when drag queens are reading stories in libraries to impressionable little children, there's something sick about that. And we all are aware of that aspect of the upside-down world. But in a way, it's even more sinister when people in the church are trying to deceive believers into believing that the work of the Holy Spirit is somehow wrong or evil. I believe that all things work together for good. I believe that even good will come out of this. I, I, I believe that people's eyes will be open to how shallow it is and how it's not biblical at all. Uh, to me, it's kind of the same old, same old. You know, this has been going around for a, a long time. My grandfather, who is a Pentecostal, a they, we call them pioneer Pentecostal preachers in Kansas in the 1930s, was actually publicly challenged in the newspaper by one of the denominations that believes in sensationism um, to drink poison, because there's a scripture that says they shall drink poison, they shall handle snakes, and nothing will happen to them. He challenged my grandfather um, to do this. Now, of course, my grandfather did not do it, but I mean, he was, he was making fun of the Pentecostal preacher and trying to twist Scripture to come against him. Now, uh, who was I talking to recently? Was it Benny Hinn? And we were talking about that this doctrine of cessationism is nowhere in the Bible, which I've already say it was, a, it was a doctrine that is only a couple of hundred years ago where people tried to explain why we didn't see the gifts in operation. But, you know, the church went into a period that was so bad, they called it the Dark Ages. You know, there were popes um, where it was like a political uh, type of situation. Uh, it's well known in history that there were popes in that era who had illegitimate children who were actually powerful on the basis that they were the illegitimate children of popes. I mean, think about it. It's ludicrous. The, the church had gotten so bad that they were selling indulgences to get people into heaven, and that's what sparked Martin Luther, who was a faithful Catholic monk who did pilgrimages and everything else trying to find God. He finally felt that that was too far, and he challenged it with his 13 theses that he nailed to the church. 95 theses, it, <laughs> I knew that, but it came out wrong. Thank you, John, for correcting me. Um, on the door at the, at, in Whitburg, Germany, that's what sparked the Protestant Reformation, which changed history every bit as much as uh, the printing press or Columbus, which would have been kind of in the same era. I mean, it absolutely changed the course of history. Uh, and it was, it was the result 
of the fact that the church had fallen so far from following God. Now, I believe that the Catholic Church today is very different than the church back in that era. I really do. But it was people trying to explain why that hap- didn't happen. Actually, there are uh, Pentecostal academics who tell that there are examples of Pentecostalism through history. I've done a little bit of research on this. My own ancestors were Huguenots. That's what they called the Protestants in France, and they were very devout people, and they would pray, and sometimes they would fall on the floor and almost go into trances, um, you know, when, when there was great prayer. Well, guess what? That sounds like what happens in some Pentecostal churches today. There are other examples of where there was speaking in tongues, etc., etc. So I don't believe that it ever totally died out. God always has a remnant, but it did kind of go underground, and it there came revivals. Those are all works of the Holy Spirit, no matter what we call them. In the early 20th century, the whole holiness movement of the day was praying for a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Even R. A. Torrey, who I quoted, wrote a pamphlet. I saw. I saw one with my own eyes. It was called The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was around 1900. Six years later, in 1906, the Azusa Street Revival happened, and the Pentecostals said that that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there were others who said, no, it's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's where a schism came. Um, the, black, uh, the Pentecostal movement was headed by a black man, William Seymour, and a lot of and a lot of it came out of the black experience. I've talked about this before, and as we move ahead, I may talk about it more because I think it's important to understand what's happening. And in the black experience, they would clap their hands and raise their hands and shout hallelujah. And a lot of the Pentecostal forms of worship came from that rather than coming from the Protestant churches of Europe which were very staid, which came out of the Roman Catholic experience. And some of the things in this movie attack, like they show clips of preachers running around uh, the, the platform or people kind of shouting and raising their hands as if this was odd. A lot, listen, go to any black church or predominantly African-American church, and you're going to see that kind of thing. I really believe that attacking that is a latent form of racism. Uh, the, the church, the Pentecostal church, is one of the p- parts of, of society that became integrated, and one of the things where white culture was influenced by black culture. Now, I'm just making a comment. I could go into it in a lot more depth. In fact, I may invite sometime one of my black academic friends to come on my podcast and we can discuss this very thing. But when people make fun of Pentecostal worship, they're making fun of the black religious experience, in my opinion. I don't have a lot of more time to talk about it. I thank you for watching this long. I ask you to subscribe to The Strang Report on YouTube or Rumble or your favorite podcast player. Sign up for The Strang Report newsletter delivered to your inbox every Tuesday by going to stevestrangbooks.com to sign up. And leave your comments and share this with other people. Thank you for watching today to The Strang Report, the podcast that's about spirit-led living. God bless you. 
From 1975, Charisma has been at the forefront of reporting on revival, miracles, and the move of God in our world. Charisma Magazine is now going exclusively online to reach beyond the physical barriers of a print issue. Charisma Magazine Online is committed to bringing you the very best spirit-led content to inspire your walk with God in this upside-down world. Go to MyCharisma.com for exclusive content today.